All right, Kimmel, I need you to be ready with the sound effect. Okay. Oh. You're going to play it one oh. time. You're going to play it one time the first time I say the title. Do you understand? Oh, oh wow. He's wow. real clear about this. This is really... <laughs> wow. We've grown, we've grown it's up. It's not even fun anymore. This isn't even comedy. <laughs> this is this unbelievable. Is actually, this is actually a little unpleasant. We've wow. been getting a lot of feedback that the comedy is everyone's least favorite part of this conversation. <laughs> I just like hearing Seth's dad voice. This is just solid parenting. I'm going to do it ready? one time. Do you understand? Can I get confirmation from Kim? Are you ready? ready? Everyone ready. gone to the bathroom before okay. the podcast starts <laughs> because we're not pulling the podcast over just so you can go to the bathroom. Welcome to episode eight of Strike Force. Before we get started, nicely done. Wait, wow, nicely done. He didn't say it. Let's introduce everyone. His favorite football club is Liverpool, and yet his least favorite band is the Beatles. John Oliver. <laughs> Whoa, you can't say that. That's going to cause me huge problems. Wow, you shouldn't that's... have said it. You shouldn't have said it on the private text chain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. You know, with, I agree with you, John Oliver. A lot of the Beatles was hype. <laughs> it was. It was mania. One might even say it was mania. Wow. Guys, you're causing me real problems. Fun in the moment, <laughs> problematic long term. This. You know him from Crank Yankers, where these are, where he's either cranking yanks or yanking cranks. Jimmy Kimmel. Thank you. Thank you. Strike I have no force problem five. With any of that. Yeah. Did anyone do? Missed it. Son missed of a bitch. It. Even off. Stephen did. Did you? Did anyone do Crank Yankers? Was I anyone? never did it. I did. I did Just two Steven. of them. I did two crank yankers. Do you remember your call, Stephen? I remember one of them. One of my calls was I was calling on behalf of a deaf. I was calling a sex line on behalf of a deaf friend, and I was talking to the girl and then typing out for him the things she was saying back. You know, like, uh huh. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Rubbing your. Very so, good. Hold it, yeah. It's and very I did good that. premise for Crank Yankers. That's a rock solid Yankers bit. Anyway, sorry. I'm sorry, Seth. No, this is where I think we're going to, this is going to be the fastest we do the intros. <laughs> <laughs> he hosted Weekend Update before me. He hosted Late Night before me. And every time I see him, he says, stop stealing my moves, Jimmy Fallon. Mm. Thank you. Thank I feel you. Like I'm Thank the only one clapping for and everyone else. I did leave a clap. Gap yeah. for Fallon. That's on me. He shares initials with his home state, South Carolina, and his first employer, Second City, which means his next job will either be the Supreme Court or Sean Connery impersonator, Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Thank wow. you, Chef. Oh, very nice. I was going to put you on the spot, and you did it yourself. Well done. I'm this episode's host, Seth Meyers, Strike Force 5. Oh, money in the bank. And is that just so I, we understand the rules because we don't want dad going off? Is that it for the entire episode now? It cannot that be would, struck again? That would, that would be my preference. And what about the right. end? What about when well, we say you, goodbye? You know what? We'll judge the episode if I think it deserves a second thunderclap. Wow. Maybe, wow. yeah. You could decide if, I, if I'm, you can reward me or not at yeah. the end with the thunderclap. I don't know if I want to do this podcast anymore. <laughs> I know. It suddenly Too many seems rules. like work. I didn't realize <laughs> Seth is both the host and HR. <laughs> what? I, I, I do think one of the problems is you guys actually listen to me more than my children, so I'm enjoying getting just a response is so Yeah, when we're rewarding. screaming and you tell us to stop, we stop. <laughs> hey, as a reminder, all the proceeds of this podcast are going to our wonderful staffs who are currently out of work due to the writer's strike, a writer's strike we all 
wholeheartedly support. We want to thank our sponsors. We'll have messages today from Aviation Gin and Mint Mobile, both courtesy of Ryan Reynolds. You cannot find anyone who has a bad word to say about Ryan Reynolds, and we have tried. We yeah, have been let's keep pounding looking, the pavement. And if people have those bad words, email us at questions <laughs> at oh, Strike Force 5. Great. Yeah. Just oh, a just Ryan the... Reynolds roast episode would be fantastic. Oh, it turns then, out uh... the guy's a fucking monster. Right. Yeah, that's what I hear. Don't have to be jokes. We'd love to. Some stuff you can never it's take It's an back, anonymous like an anonymous Ryan Reynolds tip line. And they can't all be from Blake Bible. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if they were? <laughs> this is episode eight, gentlemen. Is that correct? I should have yeah. done that. Yeah. Yes. Right. We're yeah. eight in. I will say, you know, I uh, don't get me wrong. I do have high hopes for this episode. But based on the feedback you've all received, I'm assuming we all know that episode five is the gold standard. <laughs> I mean, that's what I hear about. I, I personally, I just want to say I want to apologize to Jimmy Fallon because while it was happening, I thought we're enjoying this. But as a form of human entertainment, this is a complete disaster. Yeah. And it turns out people love a car crash. People have <laughs> talked about episode five to me in a way that makes it very clear they didn't care for the first four episodes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. I think we're you guys cl- finally got there. That's the yeah. kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. You're, You're now fun. climbing back down the mountaintop. <laughs> uh, well, there's there's more there's more questions that were unanswered that that remain from that part two. What I'm getting irritated next? just hearing about that in depth interview with what the you, wives. What are you next? Evie wants to change some of her answers based upon nope. the new information. I, no, I got no, some no. text from a couple of your wives nope. going, "Hey, no, yeah. I meant blah blah blah," and I go, "Yeah, too late. I'm sorry." <laughs> Good, hold the line, Jimmy. You're she's right, tried absolutely. to tell me. She's tried to tell me some of her answers because she wants us to win. I'm like, no, you can't. Yeah, my wife kind of made a reference to something. I didn't ask all of the things yet, so don't ruin. You've seen my acting. Don't make me act. (laughs) Don't make make me act. We will. The the other four strike fours will suss it out so fast if you make me act on this podcast. I think that's the key is that we have to use the leftover questions because if we try to recapture... Right. The magic, as we, I guess we'll call it. I love that you call it magic. <laughs> <laughs> the magic episode. I don't want uh, episode eight just to be a victory lap about episode five. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. Have we so, talked about my birthday enough? We moved Happy birthday. We, we, we did on. enough. We did, did you enough. have a good birthday? You said you weren't going to do anything because it was only 49. Did you do nothing? No, I did nothing. But I, I did. I forgot. There was one thing that I thought was kind of interesting. But it was someone gave me a card, which is great. I don't think people send enough cards anymore. But yeah. uh, I got a card and it said, you're uh, 17,897 days old. But who's, but who's counting? Which was funny. Yeah. But mm. it was kind of interesting to think of that. How, that's how many days old I am. Not that interesting. <laughs> I, well, I question your premise. More, there's more things that, that was an interesting card. It feels like that's a card you open up, go, huh, and then um, place down. And actually makes a pretty good case for we don't need physical cards anymore. Now, I would like that card. I would like that card to say the average person lives this many days. So I can do a little math. Oh, I had the same thought. And I wrote down the date in my calendar when I would be 20,000 days old. And when it came up like a few years later, it pops up and I said, oh, today I'm 20,000 days old. And no one cared at all. I mean, nobody cared. (laughs) I thought it was kind of like, I'm 20,000 days today. Yeah. Not even my mother. It's fascinating. Gave me what I wanted. How many grams do you weigh? 
Let's we'll keep this. Out. Let's keep this fascination <laughs> much, going. Break it is, into smaller units. <laughs> how much is two hundred fifteen pounds in grams, John? You can help us with this. Well, twenty-eight grams to the ounce. Don't ask me how I know that. And uh, you know, sixteen ounces to the pound. It's pretty mm-hmm. easy math. Everybody, man. this is where everyone's mm-hmm. just going back to re-listen to episode five. <laughs> Did you say you weigh two hundred and fifteen pounds? I was weigh? just coming up with the Trump number. You know, that's okay. what everybody weighs now. Yeah. yeah topical callbacks hey real quick jimmy did uh jimmy this show did, is nothing if not topical <laughs> jimmy did uh now this is i feel like a thing that you have to do for your spouse did nancy facilitate your daughter's making you a card yes and how was that card uh actually it was so uh it was so cute uh, it's nothing like the, the cards from the kids they're 10 and 8 but Winnie sent me i took a photo of the card this is the card that Winnie sent me this card this and and it said uh, dear dad I love you. I can't believe you're finally turning 49, or are you turning 48? Love, Winnie. <laughs> Very dry. Tough way to find out. Well, people talk about they love the birthday episode of Strike Force 5. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're calling it. Steven mentioned that he would like to share the story about how he found out he got his current job. I will assume that's the best of our stories, but real quickly, gentlemen, do you uh, remember when you found out that you were going to be doing this? And how were you told? I had been standing in for Jon Stewart when he was away directing his movie. And so I, I know that he was trying to negotiate with Comedy Central again to take the summers off all the time, and they wouldn't give it to him. And in the meantime, I was talking to various people to see if there was another job out there, a job that I didn't really want. And then I got offered... Sunday nights by HBO and I went back into John to say I'd been offered that and he said you'd be mad not to take it and I think in that moment I realized I'd taken the job because he was kind of pushing me out of the nest but until that <laughs> it was only when he was looking me in the eye saying you would be insane not to take that job that I realized the Daily Show was over for me. Can I add a little color from the outside? Sure. Is that those of us who knew Daily Show and knew you and knew what a great job you'd done that summer we were all absolutely mystified that Comedy Central was letting you go. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't, know the, deta- I I didn't well. know the details, it but was all crazy. I knew was like, that's the ma- that's madness. That, was- that's the dumbest thing I ever saw, was them going, eh, I don't think so. No, they wouldn't. They- <laughs> I think their yeah. takeaway from that summer was, oh, anyone could do this job. That's great. Literally anybody can do it. But yeah, he- the problem was they were telling us two different things, but we were talking to each other. So it was too obvious where they were lying each of us and it became clear that this just was going to fall apart so you john knowing you real quick i just want to say you don't strike me as someone who when you receive this job that obviously has you've been incredibly successful with you probably didn't pop a bottle of champagne and celebrate <laughs> no. that you're you were the new hbo guy no i took uh, i took i believe 15 lines of mid-range cocaine and i started <laughs> unloading a firearm into the air and i i did not live in the First floor of my building. Steven, how many grams is 15 lines of cocaine? <laughs> 15, 15 lines? What well, times I cut them? I would we say, can turn it over to our gram guy, Stephen Colbert. East Coast or West Coast lines? <laughs> are we talking California? Is this like the Eagles in their prime? What are we talking about? We're all here? coming up with different ways to pay our staff. Stephen has been drug running through South Carolina and it's gone really I, well. Yeah, I thought being a mule would be easy, but. I have a gag reflex. <laughs> hey, um, I, mine is John Stewart related also. ABC was talking to John Stewart about doing a late night talk show on their network. John and I have, and Steven have the same manager, James Baby Doll Dixon. 
And of course, Dixon tells us everything about there's no attorney client privilege in the Dixon talent <laughs> world, you know? So ABC had been talking to Jon Stewart and it seemed like that was gonna happen. And then I got called in for a meeting with the president of ABC, Lloyd Braun, about a Thursday night variety show. And I said, I don't, you know, I don't, I'd never met the guy. And I was like, I don't want to do a variety show on ABC. It's not something I'm interested in. And he said, baby, you got to tip. The president of ABC says you, he wants to meet with you. You got to meet with him. So I go to the meeting. We talk the whole hour about Letterman and late night. That's it. No job was ever mentioned. I went home. My ex-wife gets a call from Adam Carolla's ex-wife, who was at the time Lloyd's assistant, and she says, they're going to offer Jimmy the, the talk show at ABC. And That's I was like, what talk show that. at ABC? <laughs> and the next thing I knew, I went to ABC. They had like a little lunch for me on the executive floor, and they congratulated me on hosting this talk show. I'd never agreed to host and had never technically been offered. <laughs> I think my, my story is when I, when I was leaving Saturday Night Live, I said to Lauren, I go, I think six years. Is, what, Seth, what do we sign when we sign for SNL? Is it six seasons? It's six or seven, yeah. Yeah, that's for me it was, it was six. So six seasons, I go, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave. I don't know what I'm going to do. I was thinking movies. I was hoping to just be like, you know, Bill Murray or Eddie Murphy or whatever, and just leave Saturday Night Live and do movies. And, did what, it, and what, what are some of the movies you did that you did, Jimmy? Yeah, you did Fever it. Pitch. One of them. Thank you. <laughs> they actually won. They actually won. I had a friend write me to ask why we clap after somebody mentions their movie. <laughs> explain that kind of. It's the funniest thing. Because it, it's so unplanned and you just did it all yeah, it's at just, the same time. It's just it's weaponizing positivity against so somebody. I, that's I, I was leaving SNL and I go, uh, and so he goes, would you ever want to do a, a talk show? I go, I don't think so. And I think, I remember <laughs> Tina, Tina Fey was in the room, in the office. He goes, it's just because, you know, Conan's leaving. Conan had signed something about, like, in six years, he's going to take over for yeah. Jay Leno or something, yeah. something odd like that. And so I said, well, in six years, ask me. And if, I, you know, if I'm around, I'll think about it. And then I, I, I left, and, you know, we just stayed friends and blah, blah, blah. And I did, you know, a couple movies, nothing that great. Oh, like what? Stop. Yeah. No, like Taxi. I remember six years later, Lauren calls me. He's like, do you remember I offered you that thing six years ago? He goes, do you still want to do it? I go, <laughs> I go I, yeah, I go, but let me, I have to ask my, my wife now. I mean, I'm married now. So I'm at Nancy's house in L.A. And I'm like, I just got offered to take over for Conan O'Brien. And she was like, I, I, she goes, what do you think? I go, I, I don't know. Should I do it? Or what? I don't know if I said, should I do it? I don't know why I would think about this. But she was like, there's no question. You have to take this job. I mean, you're one of three human beings to ever do this. David Letterman, Conan O'Brien, and you. And if anything, you're on a great list of people. Like, this is insane. You have to, even if the show's terrible, or something like that effect. Uh, and I go, oh, okay. I go, that's it. So I called Lauren. I go, I'm in. Uh, I'd love to do this. He's like, great. NBC doesn't really want you. But <laughs> <laughs> we... <laughs> have to talk to them. I'm not even on their list, by the way. Do you know who was on the list? I do, and I blacked out the person's name. But there was someone they, they all loved. We didn't go on to do talk shows at all. 
And, but it was someone at NBC that they loved at the time. And they were going to offer it to that person. And I, and was I it go, Greg Kinnear? No. No. I, I, I'm trying it, It's probably best we don't say. <laughs> no, let's say. It would be great no, to actually say. guess it, and then we bleep it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I, I go, they were like, Jimmy Fallon, like, it's kind of like he's cold. I mean, he's just, he, he's had two movies that didn't work. Oh. Uh, Fever Pitch and Taxi. And I, uh, I, uh, I, and so Lauren said, I think Lauren said, look, I've worked with Jimmy. He's a hard worker. He's going to be great at this. Either you do this with Jimmy or I'm not involved or something like that. He actually went to bat for me and changed my life. And did he tell you this story? Yeah. It seems like a very self-serving Lorne Michael yeah, story. Yeah, yes, yeah, for he sure. Told me. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's next to me now. They hated and he's Jimmy. nodding his head. <laughs> Lauren does not leave out the details of of the withering things other people said that he had to jump in (laughs) and defend. Just the assumption that you owe him something and pay back his coming at some point down the line. He just gave me an okay sign and a thumbs up, so we're good. He's leaving now. He's putting on a kid. They wanted Al Roker. I want it clear. They wanted Al Roker. You're bleeping that out. That's who it was. That's who it was. Thank you. Finally. Seth, was yours similar? Mine was only uh, similar because it was also via Lauren. But, you know, the one thing I, I, we can all agree on is that NBC has been very seamless in their late-night transitions over the years. <laughs> Famously. You know, yeah, without absolutely. bumps. Oh. And, you know, the crazy thing that happened is there was, you know, the reason Jimmy moved to The Tonight Show is, you know, Leno was going to do a show at 11.30 for a half an hour. Conan was going to do The Tonight Show at midnight. Conan decided he didn't want to do The Tonight Show at midnight. He left to go to TBS. The Tonight Show opened up. Jimmy took the Tonight Show. Late Night was open. It was not on my radar at all as something that I was going to do in my future. And there was a New York Post article that said I, w- I was one of the rumored replacements. And Lorne called me. And when you talk to Lorne, it often feels like a follow-up call to a conversation that never happened. Like. <laughs> So he's like, you know, he literally just started saying, you know, I think you'll do it and it'll be good and it'll take time. But you'll, you know, you'll have Jimmy as a lead in. And it was so there was, again, no moment when anyone ever said to me, would you like to do this? Yeah, same here. Yeah. It's insulting. It really is. It's, it's like, of course, what else are you going to do? My story is sl- kind of complicated. And it's also no one knows this story. Because I was at one point asked not to tell this story, but those involved in me not telling this story no longer work at CBS. We have an upcoming guest, and I would like to tell this story to that guest to have their reaction and their 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 perspective on that story. And that's a we call that a tease, gentlemen. So we're going to throw to our sponsor, one of our sponsors. We'll find out which one of Ryan Reynolds incredibly successful companies is taking the first sponsor spot today. Hey everyone, since the political ad season is about to begin, I thought I'd tell you about the premium wireless provider in the race that doesn't want to wage war on your wallet, Mint Mobile. Unlike big wireless, Mint Mobile doesn't spend all day thinking of new ways to overcharge, underserve, and screw you sideways on your wireless bill. No, Mint Mobile wants you to get unlimited premium wireless for $15 a month for a limited time. What does Big Wireless want? All your money in non-sequential unmarked bills left in a briefcase under the freeway. Don't give it to them. 
Instead, go to mintmobile.com slash strikeforce today. I'm Ryan Reynolds, and I approve this message. $45 up front required plus taxes and fees. Three-month promo rate renews at full price. Limited time for new customers only. Data speeds reduced after 40 gigabytes per month for unlimited. Video streams at 480p. Visit mintmobile.com. I heard respect. absolutely nothing after Fuck Me Sideways there. Yeah. <laughs> respect. Yeah. He always keeps me guessing. Well, I never know what he's going to do, but I right. do appreciate everything he does. Ryan Reynolds. And I just, learned, I just learned that Fuck You Sideways is not how you're supposed to do it, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> he made that sound bad. Mint Mobile <laughs> also gave our staff, anyone on our staff who wants uh, free service, they gave everybody who is uh, currently out of work free Mint amazing. Mobile service. That was amazing, amazing by nice. the way. That was so cool. I was like, everyone's so appreciative of that. Gosh, thank you, Mint Mobile. Thank you, Mint Mobile. Thank you, Ryan Reynolds. And... I have another question for you guys, which is, I also want to say real quick, wait, you're raising your hand, Steven. Only because he mentioned uh, the strike force. Uh, should, at what point should we mention that we have merch now? We do have merch. Good shout out to the merch. We mm. have strike force hats, strike force shirts, and strike force pens are all available. What's the website, Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> oh boy, hold on a second. I'd say, it's I'm gonna say it's strikeforce5.com. I would really. Yeah, that's a great guess, and that probably <laughs> is correct. And that, and you can go to strikeforce5.com, and you click on a link there that'll take you to our merch page. Yes, and um, I want to make this very clear: all the merch, the proceeds from the merch, that goes right to us. That lines our pockets. <laughs> that is not true, Seth. That is, that is not, not true. true at all. That so we did. So I did get voted down on that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The merch also goes to help our staffs. Thank you for your generosity to anyone who buys our merch and uh, we really limited, appreciate it. It's a, it's a limited supply. That's what I will say is that it's, only it's, five. You know, it's gonna yeah. be a collector's item. <laughs> right. Five shirts. Because I five see five shirts. shirts. Uh, 20 bucks a piece. We've, like we've worn each of them. for our staff. Uh, well, uh, minus the money it costs to make the shirts. Maybe yeah, wear the shirts, wear, wear the shirts or the hats somewhere cool or somewhere interesting and, and post a photo and uh, on, uh, oh, yeah. send it to questions at yeah, and just don't yeah, commit we'll any crimes right. in those we'll shirts. Yeah, just, now you've said that, Jimmy, I, actually, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure yeah, I trust humans as much as you do. We don't want security footage yep. of a shoplifter. No, no one's yeah. doing yeah. anything. Of, why would you think that that's what they're going to do? Like, they're gonna I do just something where nice. my head goes. I just think people are going to steal a stroller and throw it into <laughs> a river. No. John steal Oliver's, a stroller and give it to someone who needs a stroller. John Oliver's head always goes to the worst possible <laughs> human uh, instinct. You guys, first of all, I want to state this to you and see if you agree. I feel like being a guest on a talk show is more stressful than being a host on a talk show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I say that to guests all the time because I think, especially with the 1230 show, you get a lot of first time guests and they're so nervous about it. And they will sometimes say to me, how do you do this every night? And I will say, oh, because I do it every night, it is not stressful. You have the hard job. And I certainly remember the first time I was a guest on a talk show, how much thought I put into it, how stressed out I was. And what was how it, my, uh, my first talk show was Conan, uh, uh, was Conan, and I did it because I really do think they called up because there was a cancellation. This would often happen at Late Night with Conan O'Brien. They would just ring up to the SNL floor and see if there was anybody walking around who would be down to do a talk show. It was my first year at SNL, and uh, I think it went fine. I think I had a bad, I think my hair looked bad and I do I will try to dig up a photo what did you wear I think I wore an outfit that I don't often wear I think I tried to think what would I wear on a talk show and went very far afield to how I actually dressed I think like a collared shirt under a sweater 
is what I wore. I bet you look great. Thank you. Conan was my my first talk show too. I was in it was in the summertime. I was in South Carolina, and uh, they said, "Hey, could you be on the show tomorrow night?" And I said, "Evie, I have to go. I have to be on Conan." This I it was early, it was early on in the Daily Show, and probably two thousand or something like that. And I said, I don't have anything to wear. So I went to a store in Charleston called Ben Silver. They make beautiful ties. And they have a few jackets there. I went and I bought a jacket, this beautiful kind of golden jacket with this beautiful like little window pane of like rosy red. And I thought this would be fantastic on TV. Little did I know. I go on TV and if you, I'm sure you can find the clip out there. When the lights hit that jacket, I looked <laughs> like nothing so much as... A spokesman for a popular brand of lemon sherbet, because it was just the color. I would describe it as solar flare. It was so brilliantly yellow, and I I don't remember anything I said. I don't think it was I don't think it was good. I remember being incredibly nervous, and 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 the one thing that I sympathize with the guests over is that it goes so fast. You sit down and they, and you go, wait, wait, that was it? And you think you've done a terrible job, no matter what job you've done, because why would you have cut us off that quickly? Why did the host say, okay, it's over. I must have been terrible. And they go, that was 10 minutes. You're kidding. So that's the one thing I really, I know the guest is going through that, unless they're a total pro. Just to be clear, Stephen, Lemon Sherbet is the street name of the cocaine you've been selling during the strike, <laughs> yeah. correct? Yes. end of an interview do you guys also turn to the guests and say get out <laughs> no? not anymore no i did a lot of weird talk shows i think the first one i did i was trying to figure this out was politically incorrect when wow. bill maher hosted it on abc ah. or maybe even comedy central i'm not wait sure. a second does that count as a talk show was it panel or was it one-on-one -on -one? it was four panel guests and you know but it was a talk show i mean technically yeah, that counts because I, I did um, tough crowd that might be my first oh yeah oh. tough crowd yeah well, right. colin quinn yeah i did roseanne's talk show i did martin short's talk show i did tony danza's talk show i did oh, tony wow. danza's talk show too do you remember it yeah i remember it because he was bummed out because they had canceled his show <laughs> And he still had to <laughs> do like best. two more weeks of his show. <laughs> oh, that is a lively <laughs> host right there. I was like, I'm the so sorry, dude. I'm so angry sorry. Host. He was just like, yeah, what are you going to do? I did A-O-O-A. Samantha. Jonathan. They did cancel it because he. they kept telling him, you're doing a, you know you're doing your character from Who's the Boss. No. Oh, oh. Mine was Conan. I was my first. And did you, you were obviously early SNL days when you did yeah, it? Yeah, I was, again, I was so nervous about what I was wearing. The quick story about what, uh, something wearing, because I, I wore this outfit, I think it was Calvin Klein, just because I thought that was, to me, we, we know Marcy Klein from Siren Live, and I think she hooked me up with someone <laughs> at Calvin Klein. I was yeah. like, this will be the nicest outfit I've ever worn. It almost looks like I'm wearing the shirt backwards, like a button-up shirt. <laughs> Like a smock. <laughs> you know, it looks like a maroons. I've never worn anything what like that. What year is this? Uh, the year 2089, apparently. <laughs> it was from the future. It was an outfit from what you think people would wear in the future. It was probably 90, uh, 1999, maybe. 
I'd say. The, or 98 was when he first started SNL. But then I, I, I asked, got asked to do Letterman because the Conan one went well. I got asked to do Letterman. I was so nervous that I got a stylist. And for those of those who are listening don't know what a stylist is, you pay someone to pick out clothes for you, and they'll style you to look cool and whatever for the show. So the stylist got me Mark Jacobs, who's now a step above Calvin Klein uh, at the time. Very expensive. But it was a T-shirt and jeans and, and, and sneakers. The most expensive T-shirt and jeans to this day I've ever spent on a T-shirt and jeans, ever. And it had like a drawing of a, maybe Tim Burton scribbled a drawing of a character that he scribbled <laughs> or something. I, don't, I didn't get the reference, but I said, she said, trust me, it's cool. I go, great. I, Dave Letterman has me out. I walk out. I'm so excited. I sit down, and he looks at me. His first thing he ever says to me, he goes, uh, Jimmy, thanks for dressing up. <laughs> and I was so shocked. I was like, wait, you have no idea, dude. This is the most expensive thing I've ever purchased, I think, in my life. My first one was Letterman here as well. I think it was just before John left for the summer. And yeah, it, like you're saying, it went in a blur. I was so nervous about it. I think Paul was playing substitute by the Who as I walked on. Just to sit in those chairs felt like an outer body experience. And as, as it was going, I'm kind of talking faster than I'm thinking, we seemed to start kind of play fighting over advice he was giving me to uh, give people questions during interviews because I hadn't done that before. At one point I took the card the interview questions out of his hand and started making fun of him again not something that i would naturally have done i just got swept away with it i was so worried afterwards about whether we had actually been fighting not play fighting whether he was upset as we as i was being walked off by the producer is he is he angry with me is that was that fun was he angry with me and she she said he's already forgotten you were here (laughs) (laughs) and i was not off the stage yet First time I was on Dave, I was so excited, obviously. It's such a milestone to have uh, been on Letterman. And it was a few weeks before the Colbert Report started. I, it was fine. It was a fine hit. And then we were, it was taped on a Monday because he, he used to do two shows on Monday. And one of those Mondays went on Friday. Yeah. So super not top. One of those shows had super like, sort of non-topical monologue. And I was, it was Labor Day weekend. That's the that's the, you want to be that Labor Day Friday. That's the show, that's the show that gets the big ratings. <laughs> but, so it was that Labor Day Friday, and we were staying with some friends up in Cape Cod. They didn't have a TV. I don't. I thought they were Americans, but they didn't have a TV. And, and I said, "We, you don't have a TV. I'm on Letterman tonight." And they said, "Well, you could go to like a bar or a restaurant." So I had we we went to some restaurant. I don't know what it was up up in Cape Cod, and it was it was a, a, a like a pub. And I went, and they had, I guess, sports on. I said, hey, would you mind turning that on? I'm on Letterman tonight. Would you mind putting that at, at 11.30? Would you put that on CBS? And the guy said, no. Wow. I won't do that. And I said, oh. And he goes, but you can watch in the kitchen. And so I went in the kitchen, and the kitchen was closed. Like, the, the people back there were just cleaning up. A couple guys left mopping. And there's a giant stainless steel island in the middle of the kitchen. And Evie and I sat on the stainless steel island. And we watched one of those TVs that has like a cage over it to keep <laughs> anyone from breaking it. And it was like this, this dirt and shit all over it. And that's how I watched the first time. And I couldn't pause or anything like that. And I just, I just kept on going, what, what do you think? You think that was a real laugh? Do you think he really laughed? Was that a real laugh? Because he's laughing. Yeah. I think I think that one's real. I'm not sure about that one. I think and that one be very yeah. and then very slowly, right? The kitchen staff, you were doing so well. They just one by one sort of 
started coming over and watching. Yeah, and, and then, then this. people from the bar came in. <laughs> we yeah. don't have a tradition of kind of year-round late-night shows in England. The only tradition we really had was panel shows. That's where you'd get on TV as a comedian, like six comedians talking. Did you do a lot of, of those? Each other. I did do. I, I hated doing it. It was the mock the week was what I did before. <laughs> before I left, which was a show that ran for a long time. I remember it with the, one of the first times I did oh. it, they came up at the end and said, we just need one cutaway shot of you smiling. Can you please just <laughs> smile? I said, I can't do it. I can't. And then they made me try, and they came back, I went, you're right, you can't, that's not, that's not John, a human smile. John, this is Mock the Week, W-E-E-K, not W-E-A-K. It was a piece of its time. It was a lot of punching down, I, I, I will say. Don't go Googling it now. <laughs> Mock the week. <laughs> Your agent called up and said, don't say no right away. <laughs> let's see how... Let's see, Basically, let's if see you can't lift 60 pounds, it's just <laughs> exactly. all in roasting that individual. Exactly. I will say, I have a dream. I have, My dream talk show to be a guest on is Graham Norton. Oh, because yeah. Because oh, I just yeah. feel like, you, you know, one, you're going to be on the couch with three people who are massively more famous than I It's am. like Sting, uh, Hugh Jackman, <laughs> right. and you. Yeah. Exactly. At the worst. That's the worst possible outcome for a guest spot. <laughs> He's great. I was just going to say, my one weird one that was uh, I loved doing was, remember John McEnroe had a talk show? Yeah. yeah. And it's on, filmed, on CNBC. Yeah, filmed in Sea Caucus. And I remember going out there, and I love John McEnroe, and he was so... It should have worked because he asked so many questions that talk show hosts know not to ask. I remember he asked me, how much money do you make? <laughs> That's a great question, though. It's a great question. What's your it purse? Was, yeah, and then I said I used to live in Amsterdam, and he said, what drugs did you do? But very not like I'm putting you on the spot. Just that was the first thing that popped into his head, and he thought, well, this would be what people want me to ask. I have a couple more questions for you guys, but I, you know, I hate saying this as much as... Uh, you can imagine. Let's hear once more from our friend Ryan Reynolds. Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds, son of brutal Canadian dictator Tammy Tam Tam Reynolds. When my mom isn't secretly ruling the provinces with a clandestine band of savage ukulele players, she forces her political prisoners to make aviation American gin, known affectionately as Tears of the Wicked up north. Aviation American gin has been revolutionizing the gin world since 2006, literally. Made with less juniper than traditional London dry gins, aviation is made to please everyone other than the kind of pretentious, mousy Brit mousy. that thinks a lengthy, savage <laughs> takedown of Norwegian sweater tariffs is fun. So if you're in Canada, show some respect for the dear leader. And if you're at a liquor store or at a restaurant, ask for smooth, delicious aviation American gin. 100% grain neutral spirits, 42% alcohol by volume, Diageo, New York, New York. Fuck me sideways. He's on a different level. God, I guess he's a, well. At least he's paying to fuck with us. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, does feel really a little mock the week ish to me. <laughs> call me rodent like. Yeah. Come on, <laughs> come on, dude. Mousey. He didn't say rodent like. Mouse, mice are cute. <laughs> MTW. Yeah, and disease vectors. <laughs> he owns a lot of companies. Got... That guy. Stir is he part of Raytheon now? Is that true? He is Raytheon. Yeah. He owns mm -hmm. all the companies now. We mentioned our, our friend Martin Short, who I think all of us would agree. A-list. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you guys were going to do it with me. 
<laughs> no, we Never just mind. left you out to dry there. Never mind. Uh, Sorry, Martin. I think everybody would love to have Martin Short on their show. He crushes. It does not matter who the host is. It is Martin Short. But is there any, do you guys have any sort of deep cut guests on your show that maybe caught you off guard, unexpected, A-plus talk show Ooh. guests? Ooh, wow. I remember Dak Shepard being a guy like that that I'd never heard of, and I was like, wow, this guy is great. Recently, John Wilson from How To oh, With John yeah. Wilson. I love that show so Really much. was very charming and enjoyed having him. Yeah, he would be one where I love that show, but I wouldn't know how he would be at a, as He's a talk great. show guest. And He's did great. you feel like, I love when people come out, there's a, a wonderful comedian named Joe Para, for example. Yeah. Yes. On my show. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. fantastic. And their rhythm is such that the audience has immediate confidence because they realize, oh, this, you know who you are and I'm here for this journey. Or the audience is immediately concerned for that guest because <laughs> their rhythm is so tenuous. A guy like John Wilson comes out and you're like, oh, this poor deer, <laughs> and then he's really funny. I like, Tig Notaro is, a, is, I really enjoy her energy. From the moment, I had never met her before when, before she came on the show, and the moment she sat down, I loved how slowly she answered it. Yeah, she's, yeah. She's and I, I really enjoy sort of hooking up my jumper cables to the guest's energy, which is kind of the reason why I like a guest who's really combative, because I like the energy of fighting with the guest. There's nothing more enjoyable than that. Sex, too, for you, right? That's your sex thing. <laughs> hooking up jumper cables? Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I really, I really love Tig's energy. She's one of my favorite people to talk to. We don't say a lot of words because it's a really slow conversation. She, she was great. She was on my show, and we had a great, she was, had a great set, and we talked. And then I go, hey, I went backstage and go, hey, you're one of my new favorite comedians. You're, like, I just want to say that. I, I, I'm such a fan of yours. And she goes, yeah, are, you ser- are you being serious? And I go, yeah. <laughs> What do you mean? Why? She's like, no, I'm serious. Are you being serious? I go, I am. Why? She's like, we hung out once before. You saw me do stand up and we hung out for like five hours. We went to a bar and then you were a gentleman and put me into a cab and, and made sure that the cab driver knew how to get me home. And you were, uh, I tell everyone that story. Like we hung out for like hours. You don't remember that? And I go, of course. <laughs> of course I remember that. Are you kidding me? Like that was the, uh, was the night that we hung out. Right, this was a bit. I'm famously a great actor and scene. <laughs> have you guys have you have you guys forgotten that you've had someone on before and mentioned? Oh yeah, I because I yes I I have more than once, but one time I had some somebody on and I had a really good conversation with them and I said I'm so glad to finally have you on and the person said I have been on three times. <laughs> oh my! God. Oh threes. Three times. a lot, yeah. yeah. They, gotta yeah. Make, they gotta make an impact. Ms. Pat, have any of you had Ms. Pat yes, on your show? Yes, she's great, yeah. She's, Who's uh, that? She has a show, she's Don't a- Don't tell um, Fallon about her. Don't. Oh yeah, I, you know what? You figure it out on your own. As soon as the strike is over, I'm booking Ms. Pat. <laughs> she has a, I like a wonderful, it is a family sitcom that is also uh, wickedly filthy, and she yeah. is really, again, she comes out very unique and the audience, I find very happy to see her and be introduced to her. You know, as far as the first time somebody maybe came on my radar as a exceptional talk show guest, Kimmel, the first time Tiffany Haddish, was that the first time oh, she was on your yeah. show? It was, yeah, it was, was the amazing. first time, yeah. That was she one told of those. one story. Yeah. One story, 
And the confidence to, on your first talk show, come out and just tell one story. Now, obviously, it was a great story, but that was like, well, welcome to. I will say that that wasn't the plan. It's just, it was such a great story, and I wanted to hear every detail of the story, and we had eight minutes. So at the end of the story, you know, you know, you get in that spot where you're like, am I, what am I going to do right now? Am I going to start another story, or am I going to go to commercial and keep the show on time? And you did a, I, you know, obviously you sometimes, uh, like you were saying, Stephen, about just 10 minutes, sometimes you feel bad when you say that's all the time we have. But by only letting her, or I should say, by stopping after just the one story, I feel like that made it as memorable as a recent talk show appearance has ever been. Yeah, that was great. That was a great story about the Will Jada Smith and the Groupon. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, was that really was great. great. I was thinking of, like, who are the ringers? I was just going to tell the story about Barack Obama. He, he came on the show. The first time he came on the show, we did a, a bit called Slow Jam, the news, where we did like an R&B type. A genuine. This is genuine applause. This is not John's fever not pitch talking, applause. But, uh, but <laughs> we, did, we did a bit called Slow Jam, the news. We haven't done it in a long time. He came on and he, kind of, he was very, you know, new and he didn't want to do a lot of the jokes. He was like, uh, uh, I go, uh, how about this thing? You read this joke here? And he goes, uh, nope. Uh, no thanks. Nope. And at the end, he go. At the end of the bit, you're supposed to say like, "Oh yeah." And he goes, "Nope." And I go, "Just please. It's just. It's nothing dirty or anything. It's just you're going like, oh yeah, like in a, like a kind of sexy kind of night." He goes, uh, "No, I'm not. I'm not going to read it like that." And I go, "Okay." And so I go, "When that is how we slow jam the news." And he cut the and he goes, "Oh yeah." <laughs> wow! <laughs> really didn't say it the way I wanted to. The last time he came on, when he was like leaving the White House, it was the opposite guy. He came on, and I had we did slow jam the news again. I, I wrote some joke about for him where I go like, uh, and like Rihanna says, you have to work, 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 work. And he goes, well, why do you have me say it like that? Like um, uh, like a dad, like a nerd. Why, why don't I say like, work, 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 and he started like dancing and stuff. I go. Don't mess this up now. You've made it this far. You don't have to be funny. You can, you know what you're doing. Don't just do work, 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 work. And so he just did it the opposite way. He did it as straight as I told him to. But he's totally game. And I yeah, was like, when he did, he did mean tweets for us. And of course, his people went through and sanitized the tweets oh, that we Jesus. handed him. And when he yeah. sat down to read them, at the end of it, he goes, "Well, the." There must be worse tweets than this. Uh, you guys, what do you guys do here? They're, this, these are not harsh enough. And we kind of like gave side eye to his people because yeah. we'd pick the harsh ones. But he wanted the harsh ones. Yeah, he's game. He's, he can hold his own. He's funny. He, he came on SNL. He thinks he wants he was, the harsh ones. He wants, yeah, exactly. He wants to pretend like <laughs> he, he wants the harsh, want one. the harsh ones. He told his believe. people, get rid of the harsh ones, <laughs> and then hit me you'll harder. have to. Hey, how about those drone strikes, you murderer? Hey, back that off a little bit and just have it about <laughs> yeah. me wearing maybe, maybe not that, that one time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the voice is a little weird. Maybe, maybe that. I, we had candidate Obama on SNL in 08, and we wrote a cold open. It was a Halloween party at the Clinton's house, and so it was Daryl and Polar were the Clintons, and he was the cameo. He came in wearing a Barack Obama Halloween mask because they had already been a popular mask, and I went into his dressing room and explained. I said, and then you'll take off your mask, and we'll see it's the real you. And, if it, and then I said, and if it's too hard to get the mask off, we'll come up with something easier. And he uh, just said, I think you'll find I can take off a Halloween mask. 
Wow. Wow. He's so and he could. cold. And he could. I don't have guests the way that you guys have guests, but as a viewer, what I, my, my favorite guest to watch would be someone coming in with a fully formed idea like a Nathan Fielder or someone yeah. with absolutely no filter like Charles Barkley. Yes. Because where you genuinely don't know what he's going to say next. He has the, right, the discipline of a real housewife and the <laughs> thing could be going anywhere. Nathan Fielder, I think, came on my show, if memory serves, and his bit was that he'd just been on your show, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. And yeah. his story was so good, he didn't want to come up with a second story. <laughs> and so he just told exactly what he had done on your show. Oh, that's on wonderful. My show. And it's that very earnest Nathan explaining to you that it just seems like both a, a, a lost opportunity to have to move on from this really good talk show story he had. I'm uh, remembering this right. Did Jim Carrey want to do Letterman and do a Tom Hanks interview word for word? And it gradually became clear that that's what he was doing. Does anyone else remember that? It sounds yeah, familiar. Yeah, it sounds like something he would do. Yeah. Do you ever have someone on, you go like, oh, they probably won't want to do anything or I don't know how fun they'll be and they end up being the most fun and I mean, like, I've, like, no. you, you go, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm yes. trying to think of like one. But I remember like like Jennifer Lopez has been a great guest on our show and always just awesome and just great to just chat with and talk with. But we'll pitch her crazy ideas and she says yes to most of them. And she's like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do the same. Go, you don't have to. I mean, we're just these are just ideas. She goes, no, that's for, that's silly. I'll do it. Whatever. And she crushes. She does sketches and bits and songs and. She's always game and doing fun things. I, I love Yeah. Love Steve Buscemi for us will do. We, we have wasted his time in so many different ways, from having him tap dancing <laughs> to marrying, mar marrying a cabbage and myself. We really have wasted his time. Brian Cranston is always good for something. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yes. Uh, Timothy Oliphant is a great uh, talk show guest who is yeah. uh, down for everything and will also a very, uh, in a very charismatic way hijack an interview. This is a total side story, but it is strike related. I remember there was a rally in Washington Square Park and it was all the Writers Guild members and John Edwards, who was running for president at the time, got up and sort of spoke on behalf of labor. And I remember the next person who spoke was Colin Quinn, who was also a wonderful <laughs> talk show guest. And Colin Quinn got up. And again, John Edwards had just spoke in support of the Guild. And Colin Quinn got up and goes, eh, I don't trust that Edwards guy. He's smoother than smoke through a keyhole. <laughs> and, it was, <laughs> and it was so and it was so prescient, of course, because months right. later, you know, sure. he was broiled right. in scandal. But it was so sure. funny that Colin Quinn, this sort of New York uh guy with the best bullshit detector in the world was like, nah, eh, eh, no, no thank you. Dude, it's, Colin also, Quinn, it's also knowing there's a joke there, right? That's being a comedian first and a human being second, which right, is exactly. how it should be. Uh, Colin Quinn came on the show once. We were doing one of our live shows, and we're, he was great. He killed, and he did some some bit, and, his, and the last bit he did was part of his stand-up act. And I go, all right, blah, blah, and it killed. And I go, uh, and now here, let me show everyone a clip. Here's Colin Quinn on his new uh, HBO special. And we showed the clip, and it was the exact same joke that he just did. He didn't know, but it was a live show, so we couldn't edit it out. And couldn't. He was so embarrassed. He was in a ball. He was, he was sweating. Wonderful. He was in a ball. And the kind of, I can't believe I, oh, I didn't know that was the clip. I, was, I go, well, I guess you're really proud of that joke. You want to do it twice. It, it was unbelievably funny and real. I was going to ask you guys if you had a favorite story about other late greats, people you were lucky enough to meet 
doing this sort of thing who are no longer with us. Most of my previous guests are dead. I will just say, I remember I had Joan Rivers on my show. I, I know she has probably done your shows as well. I remember her on her wrist, she had written like cues. And at just like at one point in her hand, and the audience couldn't see it, but I could see it. And I just had such appreciation for the fact that she was sort of like an aging major league pitcher who was doing everything <laughs> she needed to do to stay in the game. And she was, I mean, on camera, just white hot. But I had so, it was such a nice moment to realize, oh yeah, this never gets easier. If anything, it gets harder. And if you want to stay at that level, you got to put every trick you need into it. And also it was the funniest interview because usually, you know, you do want to be a good host and, and set guests up for their stories. And sometimes it's a little bit longer setup. With Joan Rivers, it was just stuff like, husband, that's all you had to say. <laughs> Yeah. And then she would just do 31 liners about husband. Kids? Oh, and just like line. It was the best. We had Tommy Lasorda once early in the show. The guests oh. were Tommy Lasorda, comedian named Joe Torrey, and a guy who ate two Big Macs every day for 30 years. And so Tommy comes out and he talks and we spoke for a normal length of time. And then this weirdo comes out and talks. We talked to him about eating two Big Macs a day for 30 years. And then the comedian comes out and afterwards they call me. They're like, hey, Tommy's really upset. He's you got to come down here. I go down to his dressing room and he is I never heard the F word so many times in a short span in my life. I'm in the dressing room with him. I'm like. Tommy, you know, you know, uh, I love you. I'm, I'm so sorry. You're upset. He's like this fucking guy, and then the other fucking guy talking about the place. This fucking guy eats Big Macs, uh, you know. And dude, I won the World Series. You know, he's going on and on about his thing, and it it turns into a loop where he's he's yelling the same thing at me for 45 minutes straight. He keeps yelling at me, and he's cursing, and. I start to look around the dressing room thinking there might be hidden cameras in the room and that my staff is pranking me. No cameras in the room at all. <laughs> Finally, I go, okay, Tommy, well, I, I, I have to go. I'm very sorry. I'd love to have you on again sometime. And the next time I saw him, he had no memory of that happening whatsoever. <laughs> he couldn't have been friendlier. It's funny. You realize he was yelling at you the way he would yell at umpires. That, yeah, and, and you players. should have thrown him out. You're That's right. I should have given him the, the thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I sat next to, to Tommy Lasorda at a Dodgers game once, and he was, uh, for a couple of innings, he was just telling, I didn't know much about baseball, and he was just talking at me the whole time, describing what he was looking at. And he said, there's one guy that got, I can't remember who it was in the Dodgers, this guy can't hit for fucking shit. This guy's <laughs> fucking terrible. I swear this is true. The next pitch, he jacks it for a home run. <laughs> Lasorda just looks at me and says, what? <laughs> <laughs> a baseball player told me this story. I don't know if it's... Maybe we'll cut it out. So a former player told me the story, which is in the ninth inning of a game, Tommy Lasorda subbed him out for a defensive substitution. And the player was a gold glove fielder. And basically when he was telling me the story, he said, I'm known for my glove. That's why I'm on the team. To sub me out for a defensive player is insane. So one of the other assistant managers told me, and I said, where's Tommy? And he said he went to the bathroom. And so I went back into the bathroom, and he was Tommy's at the urinal. And I said, what the fuck, Tommy? Tommy just turned around and pissed all over my cleats. <laughs> you can't cut that. You can't cut that. I heard Tommy. I was told that Tommy used to send guys down to the minors while he was on the toilet. 
So he'd call you into the bathroom, and he'd say, you're going to Albuquerque. And I think they were probably happy to leave at that point. I think the only guest I've interviewed that's died since was Stephen Hawking. And he was really? a, he was a, yeah, he was a pretty amazing guy. I, I knew that he loved comedy, not just from The Simpsons, but he used to go to comedy quite a lot. And it was a very, very funny man. And it was just, it was relatively close towards the end of his life. So he was kind of shutting down. The only thing he controlled was really the muscle in one eye. So he would blink. So it, we set up the interview. We emailed the interview together beforehand. And then he would just press play with his eye at the right time for the answer that he'd that we'd preloaded and there was one heavy heavy zing he got in on me about me I think I asked him like is there a timeline in which I'm smarter than you in the world and he said yeah and there's also one in which you're funny and he hit it just <laughs> right and it was almost like his face lit up with the joy of I've just fucking destroyed you right to your face and it was it was the thing I remember That's the most cool. about him it was the thing from that interview that will live with me he just looked very, very happy at demolishing <laughs> someone. Smart man, but fundamentally a roaster at heart. To get to write comedy with Stephen Hawking is so... Yeah, he was very, very funny. Yeah. That's so cool. He's a very John, funny I guarantee your face would light up if I ever showed you the sketch from Dress Rehearsal where Bill Hader played Richard Branson and Fred Armisen played Stephen Hawking at a strip club because you've never seen or heard less laughs Oh. It was oh. based on an actual news story. And I remember the beginning of the sketch. There was so much work saying, this is based on a thing that happened. <laughs> like on a scroll? Like yeah, a scroll it wasn't like, this isn't an ad hominem attack. Mm -hmm. We saw a thing that happened. And now we wrote this sketch. And the audience was still, nope. No thank you forever. I have a story that involves kind of Kimmel in an odd way, but um, but uh, anyway, I, I years ago before I was on Siren Live, I got it was ninety set nineteen ninety seven. I was in Los Angeles. I was doing stand up whenever I could at the Improv and getting paid whatever you get paid. And uh, I got invited to some party, and it was a it was a, a music executive was having a party. He worked for Maverick Records. And I'm, I'm going to get every every detail wrong. I go to this party. I'm talking to this guy at the party, and uh, I go, uh, he goes, uh, what do you do? I go, I'm a comedian. He goes, oh, cool. I go, I just played, you know, improv and stuff like that. I go, what do you do? He goes, uh, I play basketball. And I go, oh, cool. Uh, where? He goes, I'm a Laker. I go, cool. What's your name? And he goes, Kobe. And I go, hey, Kobe, I'm Jimmy. So it's Kobe Bryant. So we're talking, he's there with his sister, and he, we were just laughing. He was talking about he was really into poetry and stuff. We were just we, we had a great night. It was super fun. So the party runs out of beer, and the the guy who was having the party goes, "Who wants to make a uh, beer run?" I, I was like, "I'll go," and I, I don't have a car. And Kobe was like, "I can drive because I'm not drinking." So Kobe Bryant and I go on a beer run. I'm brand new to L.A., and I guess Kobe was too. I bet he's probably 18 or something. Uh, I'm 21. So we go to this place called Pink Dot. And I, it, it's like a, it looks like a 7-Eleven from the outside. But I don't realize that they don't sell things. You have to order, to, to get stuff from Pink Dot, you have to call a phone number and they deliver it to you. The delivery only. You can't go in the store and buy stuff. So we, I didn't know that, neither did So we go to the Pink Dot on Sunset Boulevard, and I go to open the door. The guy's like, we, we're good. We don't sell stuff. You can't, you can't buy stuff through here. And I go, 
no, we're just going to get like some beer. And he goes, yeah, that's not the way this sh- shop works. <laughs> you it have it to- was not. Are you saying it was not a shopping store? <laughs> it was not a shopping store. Oh, that's no, a deep cut. that's a deep cut to episode <laughs> seven. Cut right there. It, it's so it actually, yeah, hence the name of shopping stores. <laughs> some stores aren't shoppable. And so they go, no, it's a delivery only. And Kobe puts his ID on the window and he goes, I'm a Laker. And the guy opens the door. We get six cases of beer. We go and we save the party. And it was awesome. And wow, I hadn't wow. talked to him since. Wow. And he became Kobe Bryant. And I go to an Emmy after party that was thrown by Jimmy Kimmel. And it was such a great party. It was great food trucks there. And it was fun. And I go in and I see Kobe Bryant. I hadn't seen him since. And we hugged. And he goes, we both did pretty well. I go, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty interesting. Jimmy, he did pretty- better than you. Sorry, I just, I, he was being really gracious there. He, he did better. He won so many rings. I, I mean, made, I, I, the I, ending I might have made up. He's not the, it's not the same, Jimmy. It's going to be impossible to follow that wonderful story. Uh, Jimmy, thank you for sharing it. And you know what, Kimmel? You did such a good job. I'm going to let you have one last thank thunderclap. You. This thank has you. been episode. First of all, thank you very much to our producers, Mike Chaffee. And who's our other producer, Max Kimmel? Ma- oh, Max Shadler. Max Shadler, you are ready. You are already ready to hit the thunderclap. Well, Max yeah, Shadler you, and uh, Mike Chaffee, thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsors. Thank you to Spotify and all of you for listening. We hope we see our staffs again soon, and we're back on the air. But until then, this Seth, has Seth, been. Do you, do you have a podcast that you would like to plug? As oh, well, well, thank point? you very much, John. You know, and again, if you are done with this and still need some podcasts Strike to listen to. Five. <laughs> Family trips to the Myers Brothers. You guys, you did great.